I feel a little weird up here today. It's like the light's a bit funny or something. Um, I've been really pondering over the last few weeks exhaustion and what it looks like. And I was thinking about a trip that me and my wife did many years ago. Actually, I think Jackson was 12 when we did it. We went to America. So what happened was Joe, in her wisdom, decided that we needed to go away and we needed to go to America. And so she started saving up many years before. So I think it was about three years before. Joe just had this thing in her mind, if I just save up a little bit each week, we'll end up having enough money to go on this amazing trip when the kids were sort of old, young enough to sort of fit under that adult category for the aeroplanes, but old enough that they could hopefully remember some of that trip. Now, when I talk to the kids today, they remember a little bit. <laughs> Me and Joe remember a lot. It was an amazing trip for us, connection to family and things like that. But on one of the legs that we did, because we got a round-the-world ticket because it was cheaper to go around the world, apparently, um, we stopped off in Paris for, for a little while. But this is the trip. You get onto a plane in, in America, you fly for hours and hours and hours. You landed in Paris early in the morning. We were like all excited, you know, but so tired. I remember landing and between landing and getting off the plane, I'd fallen asleep. I was that tired and exhausted from, from the trip. It was really, really long. And so you get on the, you know, the car, the hire car, whatever it might be, they take you to the hotel. You get to the hotel and then they go, oh, sorry, we can't let you in. We don't let people in till I think it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon or 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. So you're there, so tired, so exhausted, going... I just want something like a sleep. <laughs> something, a nap, a shower, go to bed and, and just be refreshed from this trip. And honestly, we had the most funniest day. We were like, oh, well, whatever. We, we hopped on a boat and did a tour and then on a bus. But by the end of it, you know, when you get really tired, you get stupid. I don't know if any of you do that. So taking these photos with funny faces and things like that and and we had a good day, but when that time came for the rest, we just slept. We just slept. We rested, and it was so good. And I talked a couple of, of weeks ago about um, th that whole thing that we have sometimes in our life where we're so busy and overwhelmed by things. And then I started to ponder about God's plan for us, and I, and I talked about how you know, that if we wait on God, he's going to renew our strength so that we can actually be strong. And this is something so important in these days. And it's interesting this morning, the passage we're going to look at in Isaiah, there's two songs this morning that we sang that had the words from that passage in it. Um, the beauty for ashes, the joy for the morning. So the, the sorrow that we have, the joy for the sorrow. And, and I was just thinking about how tough it's been over the last few years, to be a Christian. Why did this come to my mind? Because I was thinking how the beautiful things of this world are just made so ugly, unattractive, or just plain by what happens around us. Now, this came to mind because I happen to be um, privileged enough to be uh, marrying Aidan and Ashley um, the day before the AGM. <laughs> you better be there now. <laughs> but... But I, I had 
these new certificates that you have to hand out. So that when you get married, um, those that are married would know you have to fill out certain paperwork and things like that. And, and in my office, I've got this amazingly beautiful book that you fill out on the day, but it's the Certificates of Marriage book. Absolutely beautiful. Like, it's one of my treasured possessions that, that I look at when I see the names and I'm like, wow, I actually didn't realise I'd done that many weddings over time. But the forms that we used to fill out were like this, you know, um, father's name, mother's maiden name. Um, at the top, are you the bride or the groom? And, and, and it was done with such dignity and I think respect for what marriage was, that, that I'd fill out these forms and I'm like, man, that's so awesome, that, that the people that I'm marrying have an identity, they have a mum, they have a dad, they have a family history, a name that, that they can, can relate to, that they can um, know who they are. And anyway, the new forms come out and you basically just print them off on the computer. There's not this beautiful book and, and these certificates. But, but on it, instead of, you know, bride and groom, it's like bride and bride, groom and groom, partner, partner, um, non-binary, non-binary, whatever it might be for, for who you think you are. Then for where it says the, the mother's name, it's like parent one's name and parent two's name. Parent's name at birth, parent's current name. And I just looked at it and I thought, how can, how can we take such a beautiful thing of marriage and when we sing that song that we sang before about, you know, that, that we're his bride, that, that is looking at us and God sees the church as, as Christ's bride, this, this amazingly beautiful thing, a relationship that's entered into of beauty, that the watering down that we have seen over the last few years in so many areas of this world, it's been really tough, don't you think? It's been tough. Because it, it's, it's not just a challenge to the way we think, but it's like, no, we're going to unbeautify everything. We're going to take away the real true meaning, the, the depth of what marriage is, and we're going to change it to, to something different something ordained by God and, and we're changing it to something different. Yet, the church itself is called Christ's bride. Beautiful. And he knows us by name. He knows who we are. He knows where we've come from. He's given us this sense of identity that, that we have in him. And I thought about it, how, how ugly the world has become in so many ways and, and even like even if I wasn't a Christian, but especially as a Christian, there's this battering and, and it's like we've entered into a fight like we've never had to before personally ourselves as Christians because things have changed. It's nothing new. Don't get me wrong. We're not the poor bugger me generation that, you know, everything's worse for us than everyone else. But, but there's times when it's tough. There's times when we seem to have been called to fight in a way that we've never been called to fight before and we struggle and we strive and we strain and we just get a little bit exhausted from it and that's normal. I think of some stories in the Bible. Abraham, he'd gone out chasing these kings in battle and he came back and, and a guy called Melchizedek met him 
on the plains and, and what did he do? He didn't you know, talk to him about the battle or something. He gave him some bread and some wine, something to refresh him. I think about Elijah when he's running away and he wakes up at the brook and the angels brought him food, sustenance for what's ahead. But I honestly believe, church, that, that we need these times of refreshing from the Spirit and I'm praying for it for us that, that after this big battle, after this fight that we've been in over the past few years, and you know what I mean. I'm talking to the lady from, from South Australia, uh, Belinda, who is the, the head of the South Australian Baptist and she came to the, the Baptist Union of the Northern Territory concert. Uh, not concert. Um, it could have been a concert. Because we were singing. And, and she goes, I can't believe it. For the first time this year, I'm singing without having to wear a mask. The mental strain for her was that, that I haven't been free to worship God how I truly want to with my brothers and sisters. Obviously, at home, she could do that. But people... How do you feel? Do you feel sometimes that you've been pushing through, doing the work of God, trying your best to, to work for Him, and, and, and you feel this weight? Let me tell you, times of refreshing are coming for you. A time when the Spirit of God will move on your life in such a way that you will feel the release, and it's what God wants for you from the weight of what you're doing. And it's funny because we cannot expect that, that just because we follow Jesus, we won't enter into these times. I'm reminded of the story of Jesus and the disciples. He sent them ahead across the lake at, at one stage. This is like for those who have been in the Christian circles, there's a story of Peter getting out of a boat and walking on water because Jesus was walking across. He sent the disciples out in the boat and a storm came up that these experienced fishermen were afraid to be in. It was, it was not like they were, you know, Sunday boaters. These were people who were experienced in the waters. And a storm came that was so fierce that they were scared and they see Jesus walking on the water. The point is this, they would not have been in that boat unless they had been following what Jesus had said that they should do and because they were in that boat, they were caught in that storm. And guess what? Sometimes that is life. It is tough. Things don't go exactly as you expect them to, but the, in, in the end, it was Peter, when he kept his eyes on Jesus, he could walk with him. And of course, Jesus comforted them. But Jesus announced his ministry in a powerful way, and he read from, from the scriptures when, when he did it. He'd been baptized, he'd gone out into the wilderness been tested by the devil out in the wilderness, he came back and he went to the synagogue and read from the scrolls a scripture in Isaiah. And I want us to dwell on that today and just have a think about it because there's a refreshing that comes from God. It's a refreshing from his spirit and it's a refreshing for us, one that we should have. So let's have a look. Isaiah chapter 61 starting at verse 1. And this is what Jesus read from the scriptures which were in Isaiah, a book of a prophet. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of, vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Who said this? Well, obviously this is a a prophecy from the Spirit of God through Isaiah, but Jesus is the one who says it on the day that he sat down and announced, this is what I'm here for. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And what was it upon Jesus to do? Number one, to preach the good news of Jesus. Imagine that news to, to, to the man whose daughter, Jairus, his daughter dying, and Jesus said she's going to be okay. Imagine the words of Jesus preaching the good news to the one who doubted, Thomas, the disciple, and he said, Thomas, it's me. I am alive. Jesus came because he wanted to preach good news to us that this is the day that God is coming to the world to set free people, to, to, to bring a refreshing, as we're going to look at in a minute. Secondly, he was the physician sent to heal, to bind the brokenhearted, to, to, to look at the wounds that were deep in the heart and heal them. Not only that, bodily, it says that, that he took upon himself our infirmities and our sickness and he is able to heal all our disease no matter whatever they may be. The cross of salvation. He's the liberator for those who have been bound in sin or, or pain or, or sorrow that he might set them free. In the old days, they had the the year of Jubilee in Israel and and people would lose their homes, their land and even their children at times because they owed much money. But every 50 years in Israel, there came this year where the prisoners were set free and everything was restored. This is Jesus for us. That there would be a restoration in our life. And he heralded the good tidings This infinite God became an infant so that we could be saved. And as was already said this morning, it was so that we might be free, so we might receive eternal life. And the Bible says that the one who gave his only son, won't he freely give us all things? So we know the good news. We know that Jesus has come to do these things in our life. We know it is the Spirit of God who brings it to us. But further than that, I just want to talk to you about the promise. The promise that God would give us beauty for ashes. That he would give us the oil of joy for sadness. What does it actually mean for those who mourn in Zion? This is how I feel it is for us these days as a church. Because the battle has been hard, it's been fast, it's been tough, there's a battle against our children. The way the internet works and social media and things like that, there's this battle for their souls. 
And parents, we've been fighting it, haven't we? There's a battle for the things of God to, to water down what God has for, for marriage, for sex, for relationships, what money is for. And sometimes, soldiers, we just get tired of the battle. But can I just encourage you this morning that a day is coming for those who are mourning, the believers, those who are in their heart, they're sad, they're they're finding the struggle. And they're mourning. What are they mourning? Firstly, we're believers who are in this graceful mourning. We mourn over our past sins at times. We're, We're like, God, I can't believe we were like that. But suddenly there's a transformation because our mourning turns to dancing as we realise every single sin that was ever committed by us is forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's a refreshing that flows from the throne of heaven itself upon our soul because we can see the delight that our Father has in us now. That no longer are we sinners, but we are saints saved by the grace of God brought into the kingdom of life. Those of us who mourn in Zion, the believers, sometimes we're believing over our present imperfection. We look and we see that sometimes we just don't measure up to the beauty of God. Yet again, as we mourn, as we think, we remember the verse that says that we are made righteous in Christ Jesus that we are presented holy and without blame before our Father in heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ and a refreshing again comes from heaven as we understand the grace and the beauty that has been bestowed on us because of the one who loved us and gave his life for us. We mourn because we cannot be more continually in communion with God. We find that throughout this battle that sometimes we lose our focus on who he is. We lose the time that we have with him. We we lose our desire for the things of heaven. But then we rejoice. We rejoice because we remember that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from his love. That is promise that he would always be with us, that he would always be faithful even when we're not, rings in our ears. And we understand that it's not because of my strength. It's because of his strength that I can carry on. It's not because of my hard work. It's not because of my desire relationship for relationship with him, but his desire to hold on to me as a son or a daughter that carries me through these times. And sometimes we we mourn because we cannot be more useful to God. We feel insignificant. We feel that no matter how hard we work, We can never do enough for him. We feel useless because we've let him down so many times. We feel as though uh, he must be so displeased with me. 
because I haven't done exactly what he wanted me to do. But as we mourn, as we think about these things, we remember that it's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. That my job is to rest from my work and let Christ work in me. To stop trying and straining and striving and let his love float my soul on wings. That I might become useful for him. That I might become perfected in what I do for him. Because it is him that works in us. It is him who started the work. And it is him who will complete that work. His job. And sometimes because we're tired, because the battle is long, we, we bemoan the fact that we haven't done more. We, we think that maybe we should have done more, but we're exhausted. And God says, stop trying. How about you just feast on me for a minute? Love me. Live for me. And then we mourn for others. For those who don't know yet, yet the, the love of Christ in their heart. And, and sometimes their heart feels heavy because there's this burden that this world needs to be saved, that it's not how it should be. This is not the kingdom of God being displayed. But then we rejoice because God, his love, was for every single person. That the God who transformed and changed me can transform and change that other person that I know, that he can make a difference in their life because he made a difference in mine. That Jesus died for every person. What a joy we find in that. Imagine a person grieving throwing ashes on their face. How ugly. When we think of those pictures, what does it mean to, to get beauty for ashes? Imagine that. What, what would it be like when people used to mourn for the dead? They'd throw ashes on themselves. No face can look beautiful with ashes. <laughs> and this is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to change it, that, that you might not have that on your head anymore. But instead, this beautiful oil, the oil of gladness that flows over your soul. Have you ever met a person who's been saved and you look at their face and you're like, what has happened to you? A week ago, you looked grey, you looked down, you looked worried, you had the weight of the world on your shoulder, but I look at you today and all I can see is this shining face. The oil of joy that, that sits in their soul. Perhaps that's even you, the day you were saved. The joy that flowed from your soul. Well, let me tell you this, that God wants to continue that work in you and he wants to change the way you think because he wants you to know about your future that is certain and is filled with hope because of him. I really honestly believe 
that we are coming up some, for some refreshing guys. We've seen it in the past with what's happened with the church that, that there's been times when everything's been dark, persecution, hard times. And I would hardly consider our persecution as much as some around the world. But yet we all need that refreshing from the Spirit of God, don't we? We all need that refreshing from the Spirit of God. And I am going to pray over this church and I hope you're going to join with me and just ask that Spirit to come and, and revive us, I guess, the revival in our hearts of what God has done, the excitement of faith, the, the joy of living in Christ will just come back to us. And it's not just the hardship of the world, but it's the hardship in the church that sometimes we see. Things that we grieve about the church itself that have made it hard. But let's pray, let's hope, let's believe. Let, let's believe that Jesus was absolutely speaking the truth when he said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And that is the same Spirit that he sent to us. The Holy Spirit. That there might be a change in our lives, that the captives would be set free. That we would walk in the liberty of Christ. Satan, the thief of this world, comes to steal your joy. Why? Because when you have joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I feel like many have had that joy stripped away from them in the battle. But it's time to let yourself eat some bread and drink some wine. To revive your spirit, to spend time refreshing yourself because there's a time of refreshing coming. And we want to enter into that, don't we? This morning, what I want to do is just really encourage you in these last few songs to open up your heart to him and say, Lord, come and refresh me. If you are a bit sad, a bit down, a bit discouraged, a bit weak and you're feeling that you need a release, I want to ask you today to come up the front and get prayer. Get prayer for that because God wants to release something into your life that would change things for you, that the ashes would be gone, that the joy of the Lord would come upon you. I know what it feels like. I've walked it. Over the last couple of years, as I said, there's this weight of the world where we're continually battling. There's a fight. There's sometimes even within the church those same things that transfer over, that there's struggles that we go through. But I want to declare the year of Jubilee over us, a refreshing of the Lord. Actually, there is one other verse there, isn't there, in Acts that could you just bring that up for me again? You probably had it up before. This is a speech talking about how we need to be saved. Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing 
may come from the presence of the Lord. Where are these refreshings coming from? The presence of the Lord. It's from Him. From Him. Come on, guys, come on up. For those of us who aren't on the stage singing, I want to invite us into that place this morning, refreshing from the presence of the Lord. We need this presence. We need His refreshing. And soldiers, sometimes we just need to eat. (laughs) We just need to eat. So take some time. Perhaps maybe this morning you've come and you haven't ever even given your life to Jesus. And you actually feel a weight in your life. You know there's just something wrong. Can I just tell you this morning that Jesus did die for you? He died for your sins so that you might be free so that you can experience the times of refreshing in your life, you know exactly what I mean because you've been feeling it all week. A weight, a heaviness. Nothing can ever go right. Everything's always going wrong. I I don't know what to do with my life. I have no direction, no purpose. That's because you don't know Jesus. This morning I'm just going to give you the opportunity as I pray to just ask him into your life. And then what you're going to do is talk to that person you came with. Or if you didn't come with anyone, come and talk to me. And say, I prayed that prayer with that guy up the front. I've asked Jesus into my life today. Can you help me? What's my next steps? How do I know him? That's you. Just pray with me now. Just ask Jesus in. Father, I'm so sorry that I've been running from you my whole life. This morning I'm just asking that you just come in and fill me with your presence. Forgive me of my sin. From this day on, I want to live for you. I thank you that Jesus died for me. He took my punishment so that I can be free. In Jesus' name, amen.